What's the most awe-inspiring thing that you have ever seen? Just think about that for a moment. Uh, one of the things that came to mind as I was thinking about this was uh, the first time I ever saw the Pacific Ocean. I was standing on the edge of a cliff as we were headed to Costa Rica, and there was these huge waves that were crashing over these giant boulders, and it was amazing. And it was awe-inspiring, and it kind of took your breath away. Another thing that has inspired wonder is being at the Passion Conference and seeing the lights of 45,000 young people as they come together to worship the name of Jesus. Here's a, a short video of that. take your breath away as you sit there and you are surrounded by all these people that everyone has told you don't care about God anymore, and you see them come together in the thousands and fill up a stadium and to worship God together. There are many wondrous things in God's Word that have stood the test of time, and we've been talking about them, these things that can help us live a life that lasts We've been honing in on seven of those things. And these seven things are vitally important for you to believe and to know, to teach them to your children and to remind your friends and family constantly. The first one we talked about is that God can be trusted. God can be trusted in the midst of darkness, in the midst of trouble. There is one thing that will never fail you. Secondly, we talked about how God wants to guide me. Not only can he be trusted, but he wants to actively help me in my life to live a life that is pleasing to him. Thirdly, we talked about how putting others first is what's best for me. And if you're a person that's constantly thinking about yourself and how you're hurt and what you need and all the things that you desire, you're going to be a very unhappy person. But somebody that puts others first is going to live a life that lasts, a life that is pleasing, a life of joy. And that's what the Bible teaches us. Fourthly, we talked about how God created sex and has a design and a plan for it. And it's countercultural. It's different than what the world tells us. And it might lose you some popularity, but God's word has stood the test of time. Fifth, we talked about how our friends determine the quality and the directions of our lives. And hopefully over these last couple weeks, you've actively thought about how you can cultivate better and more sincere and vulnerable friendships with people. And not just anyone, but somebody and, and people that you can draw around your family that will help push you closer to God. Last week we said, if you want wise advice, you need to go to the right place. And that starts with God's word and mature Christian friends. You go to all the world and just Google every problem you have, you're going to get some real bad advice. But if you want the right advice, we have God's word to show us and to lead us to what he wants us to do. The seventh and last wonder that is found in God's word that we're going to cover is that 
All authority belongs to God. We don't like authority, right? Amen? How many are over there with me? Right? We've been uh, taught and it's been ingrained in us to believe that the coolest people in the world reject authority, right? James Dean, The Breakfast Club, Grease, all these classics movies. And you might say, Pastor Phil, why don't you come up with an updated movie? I don't want you to know what type of movies I've watched. How about that? <laughs> I'm just kidding. These classic movies tell us that the hippest people are the ones that do whatever they want, whenever they want, and they stick it to the man. But when everyone does what's right in their own eyes, there is chaos and there is tragedy. And times like this have happened throughout history. Before the flood, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And there was pain and hurt and death. In Sodom and Gomorrah, the same was there. Also in the times of judges. See, when everything goes, people get hurt. And there is intrinsic authority given to roles and positions that people hold. See, God set up systems and structures in this world to bring order to it. God is not a God of chaos, but a God of order. And God tells us to put ourselves under that authority. And also that ultimately all authority belongs to him. God tells us as much in Romans chapter 13... Verse 1 and 2. These are not popular verses. You, do never, you never see these stitched on a pillow or on someone's mug or on a bumper sticker. But here's what it says. Let every person be subject to governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. God created authority. Ultimately, all authority belongs to God. And those that have authority is not by accident. Verse 2, therefore, whoever resists the authority resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. He's talking here in Romans about why they were not a group of people, these early Christians, that were trying to cause a political revolution. But their revolution was about how to change the world through the love and mercy and serving of other people just like Jesus did. And it's right for a Christian to obey the speed limit. And it's right for a Christian to pay their taxes and to give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Christ coming to earth wasn't about overthrowing governments. It was so much bigger than that. It was about overthrowing hell and sin and death. And here is a challenge to you as a Christian. What if you got more passionate about bringing God's kingdom to this earth than you were about pushing your political agenda because this is temporary and your favorite candidate whether it's the r side or the d side one day they're going to be no more and this earth and this power that we try to build to ourselves is temporary because ultimately all authority belongs to god but we should submit to governing authorities understanding that ultimately god is in control and you may naturally enjoy rejecting that authority, but that will come back to bite you. And this may sound counterintuitive to you, but freedom 
is found under authority. Freedom is found under authority. Now, there is a kind of false freedom, right? That freedom that tells you you want to drive 120 miles per hour down the road and shake off the chains of authority and have that freedom of your hair blowing in the wind. But eventually, you're going to lose your license, you're going to pay a big fine, and you're probably even going to spend some time in jail. The real freedom would be found in enjoying yourself at 65 miles per hour, going wherever you needed to go, whenever you needed to go. That's real freedom that can last and freedom that can be enjoyed. See, the authority of the speed limit actually protects you and those around you from hurt and pain. And that's true of God's word as well. The laws and commands of God's word are actually guardrails that keep us from things that will hurt us and others. And that is why when they asked Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? He said to love God and to love your neighbor, because if we will do that, those are the twin railroad tracks that will keep us from veering into hurt and pain. Because if you love God and love your neighbor, it will keep you from adultery and it will keep you from stealing and murder and gossip and bitterness and selfishness and pride. The rest is easy to see when you start with loving God and loving your neighbor. Maximum freedom can be found under authority. Specifically, God's authority. Remember back, all the way back at the beginning, Adam and Eve were absolutely free in the garden, unencumbered by guilt and shame, want or need. But then they cross God's boundary. And when they cross God's boundary, when they ate of that fruit that they were commanded not to eat, they did not find freedom. They found thousands of years of bondage that led us to right now where we are today. So Paul reiterated what he said back in Romans 13. He said it again in 1 Peter 2.13. He said, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. If God is over and in control of all authority, then ultimately I can worship God through my treatment of those that God put in place over me. That means we, might, uh, we, we must not undermine our boss if we want to please God with our lives. And that means we respect things when we're on someone else's property. And it means that we let those above us lead. Because one day, God will consolidate all authority back to himself when Jesus returns. But until then, he asks us to submit to an authority that he has allowed to be in place. Well, but Pastor Phil, you don't understand how bad the world is right now. You don't understand the leader, and I disagree with them, so I'm going to say, you know, cuss word, them, this isn't my president, it doesn't matter, you know, we're going to say all those type of things, but none of us are under Caesar right now that are persecuting us, that are killing us. Don't rail against that 
Love your neighbor. Make a difference where you are. Don't spend all your energy on the temporary things of this world. This will not last. And the things that you were so excited about pushing uh, two years ago, your side has probably flipped and you're probably against it now. Don't live your life with this temporary passion over things that will not matter in eternity. Pour yourself into God's word and to prayer and to loving your neighbor more than you love yourself and see how big of a difference that makes. Now, there are times when the authority over us tries to force us to disobey God. Obviously, in that situation, we do what Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego did. And if a king tells us to bow down and worship him like a god, then we gladly disobey, even if that means we go to the fiery furnace. Daniel was told to stop praying to God, and he ended up in the lion's den because he rejected the authority that rejected God's authority. Ultimately, all authority belongs to God. And if there's a conflict between the authority above you and God's authority, God always wins. That's not an excuse that you throw around to disregard and reject authority based on your puny opinion. There's also been times throughout history when people have twisted the Bible's teaching on authority to abuse and to control people. Like the slave masters did to the slaves or an abusive husband might do to a wife. But the Bible does not give you excuses to hurt people. The Bible teaches servant leadership, where like Jesus, the leader puts the best interests of the people before himself and his own desires. Jesus said as much in Matthew 20, verse 25. Jesus called to him and said, you know the rulers of the Gentiles, how they lord it over them and their great ones exercise authority over them? He says, you're not supposed to be that way. He said, it shall not be uh, so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. See, in churches, sometimes we can uh, lift up those people that we think would be the best type of leader outside the walls of the church. Maybe a business leader or somebody else who commands authority and commands respect. But God says here, the person that is actually the leader is the person that is not looking for accolades, for credit, but is looking to serve other people just like Christ came to serve us. Our definition of leadership should be different. Now, it's easy for us to think about how all these verses apply to someone else. Well, ha, ha, that person isn't the type of leader that they should be. But what about me? What am I doing? As Christians, we're set apart to lead differently. We're not supposed to become dictators. We're not to build ourselves thrones and to ask those under our authority to bow before it and to push our agenda and to get mad whenever somebody doesn't listen to us because we should have that type of influence. No, the leader should be a servant. 
And if you might say, well, am I a leader? You should look around you and ask, who am I serving? Just like Jesus showed us by getting on his knees with a bowl, the God of heaven, the God of the universe, on his knees before these people that would betray him and mock him and stab him in the back. And he washed their feet with a towel, got the dirt and the grime off of them. Hebrews 13, 17 tells the church about authority. He says, obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls. And as those who will have to give an account, let them do this with joy, not with groaning. For that would be of no advantage to you. God does place spiritual leaders in our life as well. Not so that they can abuse that power, but so that they might help push you closer to God. And I love that part where he says, don't make them uh, in a position where they do it with groaning and you're constantly, man, I just can't go and do this anymore. But we should follow our spiritual leaders in a way that would push them to the joy of Christ. And that might mean sometimes that they tell you something you might not want to hear. But a good spiritual leader does it from love and for your good, not to lift themselves up. You may be tempted to think that true freedom comes when there are no laws or expectations. And that's what society seems to believe right now. If we could just shake off institutions and organizations and we could shake off all government, then everybody would just live in a happy utopia. But the problem is, when people do whatever they want, whenever they want, It leads to hurt and pain because our heart is desperately wicked and our desires ultimately lead to sin when we indulge them and we follow them. The reality of what a world without laws or expectations would look like is much less like a utopia and more like the horror movie called The Purge. Have you ever heard of this movie? Now, I haven't seen it. Y'all heathens probably have, okay? But I Googled it. Here's a picture of it, right? And the premise of this movie is that for 12 hours, all crime becomes legal. No fire, police, or medical emergency personnel there to help you. Everyone is for themselves. Murder, theft, and all the rest is on the table with complete immunity. And as you can imagine... Most people reduce themselves to their most base desires. You kind of see that on the internet, right? Where I'm going to say things on the internet that I would never say to someone else's face. I could be the toughest guy at 5'6 and 3 quarters when I don't know the other guy is 6'2. Because there's no consequences. I'm anonymous. Nobody knows who I am, so I can say whatever I want to whatever, whoever I want when I would never say that to that old that grandma, that sweet grandma's face. I fight, I fight with people all the time. I'm just kidding. So the pur- purge doesn't sound like freedom to me. 
shaking off all the laws and expectations. Somehow they did like five movies on this premise, by the way. Don't watch them. That's a, a dramatic example, right? But let's talk about a less extreme form of breaking the rules. What if you just decided that you want the freedom to cheat on your spouse? You find someone that's uh, attractive to you and you want that freedom and liberty to act on your desires and to do what you want when you want. And you might believe that lie that that's freedom, right? We even in marriage call, uh, not me, but other people call their wife the old ball and chain, right? Right? And we say that it's like bondage, right? But that's not true. It's absolutely not true. There's freedom found within the covenant of marriage. Because when you were to step outside of that, because you want freedom to act on your desires, what you could have happen to you is you could lose your marriage, you could lose your friendship with your best friend, your spouse, you could lose your relationship with your spouse's family, you could lose your friends that you shared together, you could lose a relationship with your children or at least time with your children, you could lose money from a divorce, you could lose your home. None of that sounds like freedom. I just saw someone point at somebody. I don't know what that was about. <laughs> we'll pray for them right now. Lord. Have you ever met a baby that's favorite word is no? Crazy how quickly we, we learn to love our way the most and reject the people that God has placed in our lives. Remember back to that story of Daniel and the lion's dead and how God advanced him when he was sold into slavery. And he served where he could. And he served those people and God advanced him. And then he went to prison and he served where he was at. He didn't lead a revolt against those people. He loved people. He helped people. And he rose to the top where he was at. And eventually God used him to save a whole nation of people. Why? Because real freedom is found under authority. And not only that, God advances those who learn to live under authority. When we live under authority, we have the opportunity to get authority ourselves. No boss gives a promotion to a person that's rejected every request that they make. No parent gives more freedom to a child that has broken their trust over and over again. The path to freedom is found under authority that God has placed in our lives. There's no greater example of this than when Christ himself submitted to the will of the Father as he went to the cross. And that's ultimately where we find our freedom is through the cross. Your attitude towards authority affects your life. And ultimately, all authority belongs to God. So trust God when things are hard. Don't get all, uh, you know, stirred up and the pressure and frustration of trying to change something that you can't change. Give it over to God and serve him right where you're at. Trust God and don't get scared and veer off your own way. Submit to him. James 4.10 tells us to humble ourselves before the Lord and he will exalt us. God says he rejects the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. 
God's way. I know this is not easy to hear. Nobody, we are Americans, right? Through and through, and I bleed red, white, and blue, and my whole, uh, you know, uh, culture is built on revolution. We don't like to think about putting ourselves under authority. But God rejects the proud. He gives grace to the humble. And God's way is always the best way. And sure, you can blaze your own trail if you want to. Right up to the point where you blaze right off a cliff and blow up in a blaze of glory. But God wants to lead you and guide you through this life. These are hard things to figure out where the Holy Spirit is asking us to submit ourselves under authority and where he is asking us to push back because that person is leading you to do something that's against God's way. Some of the final words of Christ before he ascended to heaven assured us that he has ultimate authority. In Matthew 28, 18, Jesus said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So rest assured that Jesus is in charge. And you can either bow the knee to his authority or you can bow up to his authority, but either way, his will will be done. Authority over the universe is in the hands of Christ. And ultimate freedom can be found under that authority. This is our seventh and final wonder found in God's word. And it will stand the test of time. All authority belongs to God. There your heads bowed and eyes closed. Band's going to come. It's a hard one for us. It's a hard one for me. But you don't understand they're doing things the wrong way. For now, this is where God has put me, and I'm going to serve God where I'm at no matter what. I've had bad bosses. You've had bad bosses. It's hard to respect that position that they're in when you know or you think or you believe that you could do it better. This is the system that God has set up. And he says, all authority ultimately belongs to me, and this life is just temporary, and you can trust and believe that one day I'm going to make all things right, I'm going to make all things new, and all that's going to be fixed, and you will have the privilege to be able to just have God as your authority. But until then, you're going to have sinners in your life, and those sinners are going to try and lead you the wrong uh, direction for your business. They might pick on you and they might prod you. But there's amazing gospel opportunity for you to humble yourself, to not lash out, and to serve God where you're planted. Pray for another job if you have to. And trust that God is ultimately in control. Dear Jesus, I pray as we think over these hard thoughts, God, and where this fits into our lives, you, I pray you give us wisdom to know when it's time for us to submit to you and to submit that ultimately you are in control and I'm going to serve you through humbling myself under authority. God, give us wisdom. Lord, there may be situations in our lives where uh, 
It is the right thing to do, to stand up and say, no, I can't do that. I can't do that because it would cross over the lines that God has set up in my life. God, give us the wisdom of where those times are. Give us the wisdom, Lord, if there's a situation where uh, you are uh, leading us out from under a certain type of authority. God, give us the wisdom of where we should go and make it so clear to us so that we don't have any question. Lord, we love you. We thank you that ultimately you can be trusted and that we can put ourselves under your leadership. I pray for those, Lord, that you want to step up into leadership. God, I pray that you would help them become the servant, Lord, and do the least of the things, God, to open doors and to hand out water and to do the simple things and to leave the rest up to you. God, help me to be a better servant leader. Help the staff to be a better, the council, Lord. God, help us to serve people and put other people first. Maybe you're here tonight or today and you're not sure that if you died today that heaven would be your home. You're not sure that you have a relationship with God. See, that all starts with a time and a place that you can go back to where you said to God, God, I put my faith in what you sent Jesus to do when he died on the cross. And I'm letting go of control and I'm putting all my faith in you. Can you go back to a time and a place where you ask for forgiveness of your sin? See, we're all born into a world that has run rampant with sin, and it started way back in the beginning when we pushed off the authority of God, and we chose our way over His. And ever since then, sin and pain and death have come into this world, and life has been hard, and we've hurt each other. But 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, an equal part of the Trinity, came. And he lived a perfect and a holy life for 33 years. And then he died on a cross. And he took all the punishment that we deserved. This is the ultimate picture of that servant leadership. When he died in our place. And then on the third day he rose again. Breaking the chains of sin and death and bringing our salvation with him. Can you go back to a time and a place where you believed on that? as your only way to get to God, Christ in my place. If you can't, hey, why don't you do that today? That's the greatest thing you could ever do, is to start that relationship with God and to put your faith and your trust in Jesus and accept him as your savior. The words aren't important. You just got to know that you're a sinner. And you can't work uh, good enough works to get to God, but that Jesus came to us. Put all your faith in what he did on the cross. You can ask for forgiveness for your sins and ask him to save you. The band's going to play. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet. If that's you today and you haven't made that choice, as we sing, I encourage you to pray right where you're at and to ask God to forgive you of your sins and to save you from your, uh, the, what you've got yourself into. Put your faith in what he did on the cross. If you do that, make that choice today. Write that back on the, 
on the back of your connection card, I chose Jesus. Jesus.